You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. All right. Well, hey, guys, we're in a message series called Moral of the Story. For those of you that are new, so glad that you've joined us. We're going to be looking at some of the greatest stories that were ever told, uh, parables by Jesus, and we're going to unpack those together over the next few weeks. And then as well, going to be able to share stories from people that are in our church uh, that God's been working in their lives. So this morning, I want to talk to you about surviving the storm. Uh, Last night, we had a little storm that came in town, but the reality is, is that we all have storms that we're going to go through. If you're not in a storm right now, then you're going to go through a storm in the future. Uh, Maybe you've just come out of a storm, but the Bible talks about that we're all going to go through these trials, tests, challenges. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the importance of obedience. Before I start, I want to share with you a funny story I heard the other day about a certain, at a certain hospital, there was a little boy who gained a reputation for wreaking havoc with the nurses and the staff. One day, a visitor who knew about his terrorizing nature made him a deal. He said, she said, I tell you what, little Tommy, if you're a a good boy this week, she said, I'll give you a dollar when I come back and check on you. A week later, she stood before the boy's bed and she said again, good morning, Tommy. I won't ask the nurses if you've behaved, but I want you to tell me yourself, do you deserve a dollar? And after a long pause, a small voice from underneath the sheets said, give me a quarter. (laughs) Today, I want to teach you about the importance of obedience, obedience to God, obedience to God's word. In today's culture, the idea of obedience has lost its popularity. It's kind of this vibe that I catch that it's kind of a feel good, do what you want, and it's okay. The holiness movement, by and large, has lost its, uh, gr- uh, its influence within the churches in an effort to try to be a strong, grace-based church. And then what we've done as churches is we've turned around and let licentious living just have a heyday. And when it comes to the Christian life, the Bible calls us to live lives of obedience. The, Bible, the old song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Today, what I want to do is I want to teach you about the, this illustration, this parable that Jesus teaches about, a wise and a foolish builder. And the key that we're going to see to building a life that's going to survive the storms of life is obedience. It's that ability to listen to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be able to navigate and operate in such a way that you're moving through life with this kind of divine design, this eternal uh, epicenter of joy where you know that you're following God's will and God's ways. The key in the Christian life is obedience. In Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, we find this parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Maybe in your Bible, the title is Build Your House on the Rock. Today, we're going to look at that passage in Luke uh, together. Let's start in 
chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Let me pause just for a moment. Immediately, he's saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And that idea of Lord indicates that we are to that the Lord is one who is a, has a supernatural authority over mankind. So he's asking the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? There's a large group of people that are following him, curious about who Jesus is. And Jesus is uh, teaching and in, in, in incredible parables, profounding people. And he asks that question. Verse 47, he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. Let's look at that just for a moment. He says, anyone who comes to me or everyone who comes to me hears my words. That's hearing the words of Jesus being taught. But then he says, and does them. That's obedience. Remember that. He says, I will show you what he is like. Now he's going to give us an illustration. He is going to give us a metaphor. Verse 48 He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. What we're going to see is that we're going to see a comparison and a contrast between two different lifestyles that you can live. One who listens and obeys, hears from God and then obeys God, and then one we're going to see who lives much more foolishly, who hears and then does not obey. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, Look at those two houses in your mind just for a moment. Imagine these two houses. If you were to see these two, I imagine at first glance they'd look pretty similar. You would see the two houses. They'd have a roof, maybe some some walls, a window, a courtyard, doors. But if you were to look closely and examine the edges, the base of the house, you would see something looks different you would discover that one had a solid foundation and the other was simply built on the dirt. And that's okay if your house is built on the dirt, unless it rains. Then you have a problem. See, the foundation is essential when it comes to rains, floods, storms, hurricanes, or monsoons. You look under the house and you see that one spared no expense and spent the money to build up a very strong foundation. And then you see the other house when you look more closely and you see that this individual cut all sorts of corners, skipped the foundation and built the house on the dirt. It's not enough to look at the houses. We need to look underneath them. We need to see what they're built on. And so is the Christian life. The Christian life is the same way. From a distance, we can all appear that we're just doing great that we're just doing fine. But when we examine more closely the foundation of what our life is built upon, that's when we ask the question, will we be able to survive the storm? This morning, what I want to do is I want to help you to apply this passage to your life. How do you apply this passage? I think there's five essentials to surviving the storms of life. 
I'm going to call them as well the lessons from a wise builder. I think if you and I are honest, we would say that we all want to live a life that's going to be able to survive the storms of life, whether we have relational challenges, financial challenges, physical health challenges, maybe we've suffered the loss of a death, and we're trying to navigate through all this. Um, Joshua uh, mentioned earlier uh, the, the, the uh, remembering 9-11 um, I preached a message at our grand opening called, When You Hit a Ground Zero. Uh, when kind of all of life kind of falls apart, what do you do? And the message is, is that God's right there in the middle of it. But how we live in our life today, choosing obediences versus a disobedience, will determine how well we thrive or survive in the storm. Five essentials to survive in the storm. Number one, I'm going to call it strategic positioning. I've used this word over the years of my life as a Christian. Uh, perhaps maybe it's because I spent a lot of time in business school and trying to understand uh, uh, and relate to business leaders. But I think this is an important phrase that I want to, that relates to our topic today. What does strategic positioning mean? It means to get to a place where you can hear God. Some of you say, uh, what do you mean? Well, first of all, I want to tell you, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Your hearing from God has got to be the most important thing that you could do in life. You've got to be able to hear from God all the time to be able to navigate through this thing called the Christian life. Jesus would often break away himself to hear from his heavenly father so that he could fulfill his calling. According to Luke chapter 5, Jesus would break away from the busyness so he could hear. How do we hear from God today? In both illustrations of the builders, the wise builder and the foolish builder, they both heard, but one obeyed. But it's essential that we need to position ourselves in such a way that we can hear from God. How do we do that? How do we hear from God today? Number one, this isn't in your notes, but you might want to make notes, is you hear from God's word. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. So when you open up the pages of scripture, you can take it as God's very authoritative voice is speaking to you about the issues that you deal with. You say to me, well, Pastor Ryan, sometimes all the details are not in the word of God. So I need a little extra clarity. Okay, not only do you have God's word, but you also have God's spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the counselor. He's the one that is able to help give you that divine sense of understanding on how to navigate through things. Sometimes you call it a gut feeling. Hey, I don't have a good feeling about this. I'm going to go with my gut. Well, if you've been spending time in God's word, you're a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives within you and he serves as a counselor. He will also convict you of sin. He'll also guide you into righteousness. The Holy Spirit will also help illuminate scripture in your mind. How do you hear from God? You position yourself before God in such a way that you can hear from him. Sometimes we're so busy Instead of taking that time to just simply pray and ask God for divine direction, we could just binge watch on Netflix. Sometimes instead of just 
asking God for that divine direction, we could rush out and ask a friend far before we ever decided to talk to the Lord or spend time in his word. What you and I need, friends, is we need a divine direction in everything that we do. See, in the life of the builder, the wise builder, he was in a place where he could hear from God. He could, the storm is so loud sometimes in life when things just start escalating and it can become so distracting and it can be very numbing and scary. But the Lord wants us to be in a position where like Jesus, when he was so busy in all of his ministry, what did he do? He broke away so that he could hear from his heavenly father. Not only do we need God's word or God's spirit to help us here for strategic positioning, but we also need God's people. This is just a real a part of God's common grace and how he works in today's world is that he gives us a chance to be able to talk to other people. Sometimes uh, when you're hearing from God, you're like, man, I, you know, that's really funny that you say that to me. I, I was reading in God's word the other day and, and this just stood out to me and you know, I, I just haven't felt a peace about this. So I feel like maybe God's Spirit's been working in my life, and now you're saying this as a Christian. And let me just tell you, friends, that's God's voice. That's God speaking to you. He's trying to get your attention. How do we survive the storm? We've got to be strategic about our positioning. We always want to be in a humble place where we can hear from God in the things that we're going through. Uh, this... Uh, Past summer, my wife and I uh, experienced the loss of my father-in-law, and uh, navigating through all those challenging times is not easy. And I know many of you have suffered through uh, loss of a loved one. And sometimes you just need to hear from the Lord on how to s communicate or encourage somebody. And in those times, I found my best times, my best days, were the days where I strategic positioned myself to be able to hear from God. Maybe that looks like getting up just a little bit early to hear from the Lord. Maybe it looks like at the middle of a crazy work day, just pause for a moment and say, on my, my, trans, on my drive to meeting to meeting, I'm going to pray for a moment and ask God for help in this situation. What the Bible tells us is this in, in Proverbs 15, 22, it says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Who are the, the counsel in your corner? Do you have God's word as serving as counsel in your life? This is eternal truth speaking its words of wisdom into your life. Do you have God's spirit? Are you open and receptive to the spirit of God working in and through your life? Holy Spirit, I need you to minister in me and through me. Help transform my mind, my thinking. Give me eyes to see like you see. Do you have God's people? Are you open to God's people to speak words of encouragement, exhortation? Or confrontation into your life. We've got to be positioned in such a way where we can hear from God. And when we do so, the Bible tells us that we will succeed. You've got to survive the storm, friends. You've got to be able to make it through what you're going through, and you have a divine resource, and you have the ability to do it. Number two, I like to say hesitation is devastation. What do I mean by that? I mean that you obey or you face the consequences of disobedience. There are real consequences for every choice that you make. When we choose to obey, we're walking in God's divine favor. When we choose to disobey, we are going to suffer the consequences of our choices. That's how it works. As a, years ago, as a raft guide, I 
in my early training, I was a first year guide and I was challenged to navigate through class three and four whitewater rapids. And we developed this phrase called hesitation is devastation. As a river guide, you had to always look down the river and see what was coming ahead of time. We were trained to memorize the routes on the river at every single water level. We would see various obstacles, various rocks, undercut rocks, dangerous rapids, rapids like Widowmaker or the Devil's Punch Bowl or Pinball. You can imagine these would be challenging uh, waters to navigate through. And I remember this one guide who was an upperclassman named Jared Morgan. I'll never forget Jared. Jared would always yell out to me in my early years of, in my early summer of training, he would say, Rice, hesitation is devastation. And what he meant was this, is as a river guide, you have no time to hesitate. You have to see immediately what the, what the, what the route is and then call your commands. If you have a paddle crew, what I might call, if I wanted to turn to the left, I might say, right side forward two, left side back. And immediately that boat would turn to navigate and set myself up so I could navigate through the obstacles. In the same way, the Bible tells us the Christian life is very much the same way. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 49, about the foolish builder. The scripture tells us, Jesus uses this parable, he says, but the one who hears and then does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. What was the problem? The guy could hear but he would not obey. How many times do we hear from God, but we choose to not obey? Let me tell you something, friends. Hesitation is devastation. It could be God's Holy Spirit could be warning you, don't take that relationship another step outside of your marriage. You need to cut it off right now. Hesitation is devastation. If you don't do anything when the Spirit of God is prompting you, I'm telling you, your future is bleak. You've got trouble on your hands. So many times when we face trials, they are not simply because of God's divine destiny. It's because of your self uh, mistakes, your self sin, your errors. You're facing the consequences. Can God use trials in his sovereign plan and purpose? Absolutely. But in this case, you see the foolish builder is one who does not obey, does not listen. Hesitation is devastation. I've used that analogy in my life over the years to realize the importance of Christian obedience. And what I've learned is the reality is, is that when I'm walking and obeying and, and trusting the Lord, it is the best life. How could it not be? If God is truly the, the maker of all things, he is our, our, our maker of heaven and earth and all that is in it, then when I'm following my design and doing what God's made me to do, then I am the happiest. I am the most full. I, I, and I can be tempted oftentimes to think that it would be better if I did it my way. Number three, the third essential to surviving the storm is to build your life on the rock. Strengthen the foundation of your faith through learning. Jesus is said to be the cornerstone, according to Ephesians 2:19 through 22. Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. When Peter confessed that Jesus as the Christ, 
The truth was that when he professed that truth, was that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus said, Peter, on that truth is what we're going to build our church on. Your whole life needs to be built around the rock of your faith in Jesus Christ. But we're tempted, are we not, sometimes to build our life another way. That foundation that Jesus spoke about was the foundation of who Jesus is. He is the rock. He is the one. He is the foundation that all your life ought to be built upon. I think we're oftentimes lured away from solid ground to explore more maybe exciting environments. The ocean is a vast and powerful body of water. A couple years ago, I decided to take my kids uh, over to Oceanside, California, and we wanted to explore the sea life. So I went to that place called uh, some kind of seal beach of some sort. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. We went down there, and I remember we kind of got caught up looking around at all the sea life. And to be honest with you, I really don't know much about the ocean. And at this time, my kids were pretty young, and I took them out, and Leslie was off somewhere else, and I had my two kids, uh, Sam and Riley, uh, my twins, uh, with me. She had little Maya up somewhere else, and uh, I take them down to the beach, and we're exploring, and I paid no attention to the tide that was coming in. The tide was coming in, and there was these massive jagged rocks behind us, and we're off just playing and having a great time walking around in the sand. And before I knew it, that tide came in with a vengeance, with a fury. The water came in so fast that it pushed me and my, little, my kids up against those rocks and pounded us against those rocks. It was embarrassing. It was terrifying. I was praying, dear Lord, save our lives just for a moment. Then I prayed, I pray that Leslie does not see me doing this because <laughs> I look like an idiot. And my kids are screaming like I'm the one who's murdering them. I grabbed my kids and we got to higher ground real quick. I think I I wanted to tell you that story because I think in the same ways we're tempted to explore dangerous areas. We decide to leave the higher ground against our better judgment. We pay no attention to what's going on around us. And before we know it, we're bashed up against the rocks. And not only is it hurting ourselves, but it's hurting other people. I think sometimes in the Christian life, when we choose to leave the higher ground, leave the rock, then we find ourselves in precarious situations that could have been avoided. When it comes to the Christian life, the Bible says in Psalms 62.2, it says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. You got to realize that God's called you to live your life on the rock. You can't build your life on the sand in the uncertainty and the hope of something other than Jesus. Jesus is that firm foundation. He is the name above all names. And Jesus is declaring this parable. It left people profoundly confused and astonished. The reality was, is he was calling people to build their whole life on the reality that he really was the son of God. And we've got no greater important challenge before us than to live a life of obedience to our our Lord. 
In 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18, there's a challenge for us to firm up our foundation. 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18 says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and the day of eternity. Amen. The reality is, is if you don't have a firm foundation of grace, Jesus Christ is our grace that we are to obey, trust and obey, but we don't get into heaven through obedience. We get into heaven through simply placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we've got to grow in that grace and extend that grace. We've, the apostle Peter challenges us to, 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 to grow in that grace, but also in the knowledge of our Lord, of who he is. And that very word Lord means that he's one who gives supernatural authority. And so how dare we try to act and operate in any way that would violate uh, uh, a proper perspective of, of that idea. We are the servants and he is our high king. Our whole life needs to be in submission to him. If he truly is the Lord, then we ought to live like it. Number four, if we're to survive the storm, we need to expect some storms. That's just real life. Realize there's going to be tests, there's going to be trials, there's going to be temptations, there's going to be troubles. All of these are a part of life. In both situations, with the wise builder and the foolish builder, you had a storm. The storm's going to come, friends. How do you survive it? How do you navigate it? Well, I think part of that is you just realize that you've got to expect there to be storms. You've got to expect there to be a hardship. The apostle James says this in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let your steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Notice what it says in the very beginning of that passage. It says, when you meet trials. Not if you meet them. It's just when. Some of you are in a trial right now. You're under immense adversity. And you're wondering, how, God, am I going to make it through it? This message is for you. Some of you have just come out of a crazy trial and storm. How are you going to make it through it? This message is for you. Some of you are about to go through a tremendous trial and you don't even know it. This message is for you. We've got to count it joy. How could we count it joy? Because it somehow does something to us and through us. You've heard it said, what doesn't kill you, what? Makes you stronger. There is a reality that when you go through a trial, when you go through a hardship, you've got a level of street cred that you didn't have before. You're able to be able to discuss, sympathize, empathize with people around you. Adversity, trials, hardship, it's all a part of the Christian life. You may have noticed the bridge that's being built out on I-17 over here by Happy Valley. Um, when you see that bridge, you, you might take into account that an engineer designed that with this in mind, that there's three different loads that that bridge has. The first load that it has is the dead load. 
The second load is the live load, and the third load is the wind load. The dead load is the weight of the bridge itself. When the engineer built that bridge, he took into account exactly how much does this bridge weigh. Not only that, he in, in, in took into account the live load. The live load is the weight of the daily traffic that that bridge has got to carry. And then that third category is the wind load. You think of the Golden Gate Bridge or any magnificent bridge. They've taken these into account. The wind load is the pressure of the storms that beat on that bridge. And the designer plans for bracings that will bear all these loads. The reality is in our daily lives, we too need bracings. Which make it possible to carry the dead load of ourself, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies. When we place our trust in Christ, he gives us the strength that we need to withstand these various stresses. He gives us, he gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. When you come to Jesus Christ and you rely on his Holy Spirit, you have enough strength to undergo all those pressures, not only of daily lives, but also the emergencies that you're going to face. Last but not least, in this surviving the storm, there is hope in knowing that we need to let others know about how we did when we went through the storm. Years ago, when I was in Arkansas, I lived down there, I remember we would have these uh, massive tornadoes that would sweep through our state. And somehow, the news media always captured the trailer parks to show the devastation. Uh, but then one hit real close to home, just a couple miles away from home. And at my family's house back in Arkansas, we have a safe room. It's a family room where it's built with steel at the very bottom of the floor of the house. And everybody would crawl into that thing. And when a tornado would hit, we would all huddle in there and you could hear that storm just coming through, ripping trees apart. It was leveling houses just a couple miles away from our house. And then soon enough, after the storm quieted down, there was an eerie quiet. And then we would get, if the power was on, phone calls. And people would call and say, how are you doing? Did you guys make it okay? Is everything okay at your house? One of the things that you need to realize is that when you go through a storm, God wants you to let them know. He wants you to tell people about how you navigated through the storm. People care. You have an influence in your life. Maybe you didn't realize this or not, but your trial, your test, your adversity, your hardship, what you're going through is perhaps the greatest witness that you have on planet Earth. It's the hard times that help people understand the power, the majesty, the wonder of who God is. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to what? Comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort for which we ourselves are comforted by God. When you rely on God to get through what you're going through, 
God will turn around and use that for good to be an influence to other people around you. I want to encourage you to watch this story about a guy in our church who went through tremendous adversity and God used it for good. So growing up as a child, I was born and raised in uh, Pennsylvania. I was born and raised Catholic as well. So, but my parents and I, we didn't really practice the Catholic faith all too often. We would go to church pretty much during the holidays. It's pretty much the only time we would go to church. One of the things that did affect me growing up <clears throat> was dealing with my mom's um, alcoholism. My relationship with my dad was a little more difficult than my mom. Um, granted, I did not have any establishment of faith. Um, I believe there was a God, I just didn't know who God was. I would put a lot of my uh, time and effort into um, band and sports, um, and everything kind of came to a head where um, my, my parents basically ended up getting divorced when I was 12 years old. And then, not only that, but um, one of my best friends tried to uh, commit suicide, which was also really difficult, um, and he ended up moving away. My mom, or you know, after my parents got divorced, my mom ended up getting um, arrested uh, from a DUI, and that's when my dad kind of pulled the plug and was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna move you out to Phoenix, Arizona." And from there, I got established in my cousin's youth group because uh, she led it with her husband. And you know, little did I know that God was actually speaking to me. But you know, if you think about the Word is alive by casting crowns, it basically describes the Bible and. Um, Essentially what ended up happening was I asked my cousin to play that song for me on the way back from the Bible camp and that's when I decided to give my life to the Lord. Uh, and then when I was uh, 21 I, uh, I faced an unexpected trial and it, was, it happened when I was going to the Grand Canyon with a men's group and I basically got a call uh, from my aunt saying uh, my mom passed away. Um, and so we pulled over um, and I just remember just anger, feeling anger, feeling sorrow, um, just feeling horrible. But, you know, I decided to press on. I decided to go to the Grand Canyon because obviously I was on this trip for a reason. And um, I had a sense of uh, calmness as, you know, we were going through the Grand Canyon. And I remember praying to God, like, God, if, if she's with you, because I didn't know if she was a believer or not. I was like, if she's with you, any, anything helps. And I remember looking up into the sky and seeing a heart-shaped cloud. And, you know, that was enough for me. You know, whether I know if God um, approaches people in their last moments of life, I don't know. But having a gracious God, I, I could definitely see that happen. You know, I met the love of my life at Grand Canyon University. We were in the pep bands. And, you know, it was an awesome, an awesome time to you know, graduate college and get married and basically start our life. And that's, God led us out, out to the North Valley. So Ellie and I were, you know, new to the North Valley and we were, um, you know, struggling actually finding a church. We were on the YouVersion Bible app and I just happened to come across North Valley on the, on the Bible app. And so, you know, we were really curious and we decided to basically attend North Valley. We've met more people in the week at North Valley than in an entire year um, that we've attended other churches. And we've been able to get plugged in and meet great people. And we've been able to you know, start 
um, start one of the neighborhood groups and lead that. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what God has in store and um, for what God has planned. Hey, listen, it's really important um, that you realize that your, your life is going to be tested and challenged if you're not in it right now. And uh, p- placing yourself in a position where you can really develop that relationship with Jesus Christ and that confidence that you have in Him uh, will help you navigate through all that you're going through. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.